Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to the Total Car Score Podcast, and we have a very special edition because we, the three jurors for the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year are here with 2021 winners. So we're going to go really quick to do introductions. We have a lot of people on the call. So first of all, Lauren and Carl, how are you, Lauren? I'm good. Happy New Year. Yeah, things are uh, keeping everyone busy with the weather being icky. Yeah. <laughs> I guess after this week, we will stop saying Happy New Year, but uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> how are you, Carl? I'm good. Did someone say something about weather? What do you mean? Everything's fine. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. And then we have... Uh, Two representatives from Ford who are very, very happy with the new year and everything else because uh, Ford won really big this year with the Mustang Mach-E. We have Darren Palmer, who is the Global Product Development Director for EVs for Ford, and Craig Schumach, who is the Chief Program Engineer for Ford F-150. So congratulations, Darren. How are you? Fantastic. I'm even better this morning. Thanks for inviting us on here. It's great to speak with you again. And Craig... F-150, obviously the most uh, popular, most sold car vehicle in the U.S. for, what, 43 years, 44, you include the new year, I guess. Right. So congratulations right. again. And uh, I was reviewing the, the past winners from Nactoy for Talk of the Year. For F-150, 1996, 2004, 2009, 2015, 2021. So no pressure for the new one, I guess. No, thanks very much, and uh, happy afternoon, happy New Year, and good afternoon. It's glad, good to be with you. So, Lauren, do you want to start with uh, Mac-E? I know you have some uh, opinions about that car, but obviously, according to the voting, was pretty clear winner, 265 votes. The Genesis GV80 got 136, and the Land Rover 99. So, a landslide, clearly, right? Yeah, it was definitely a landslide. So, congratulations to the team. I'm curious, what, you know, there's a lot of different variants of the Mach-E, and I think anyone that's listening wants to know, do they come all-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and the range extenders? So can you just kind of give us, and of course, congratulations, can you give us sort of the variants so that we kind of know what to expect? Yeah, absolutely. So the car was made around, it's an all-new platform ground up, built around its battery, mm -hmm. really around rear-wheel drive. So all of them are at least rear-wheel drive, and then we have derivatives with um, all-wheel drive as well. Um, and we have a long range and a standard range battery. And so you can get different combinations of those two. Well, so what I got to drive was an all-wheel drive. I think it had like a 270-mile range. And I know you went through it all with us. It was really great to have that opportunity to drive it early so that consumers could get a good feel. I, I guess my, my next question is, how does the weather impact all electric cars? And obviously, you must have some sort of way to work around that you're in Detroit. You have weather there, the same, I, the same as I do. Absolutely. I mean, one of the objectives building this car, I mean, it has to work in this weather conditions or I'm in big trouble. Um, so I would say, so actually driving electric cars, all-wheel drive electric cars, they're very effective um, in uh, snowy or wet conditions. You've got really good control of the chassis and the um, drive system. So you can, you can, they can work really well. Um, so that's that aspect of it. Um, they are affected by temperature, but there's many things you can do there. Just like a Nest thermostat, you, you, you rarely walk up to the thing. You usually control it via an app or it automatically sets. So in conditions such as now, the car would be 
usually plugged in at home and it gets ready. So it sees your patterns and it gets ready for you. So it, in the days where we used to go every morning to work, it would get ready for you and you'll always sit in a warm car. And it, of course, it can warm up while it's sat in your garage and it prepares itself. Um, and you can also set that immediately, like a start via the app, or you can set it to run, you know, in an hour's time when you know that you're going out. So, so you the, you can add extra things to prepare the vehicle, and that really reduces the draw on the battery. And then when you're driving, the vehicle's already warmed up, the cabin's already warmed up, and it uses less energy for that climate. So you can reduce the effects of cold temperature on electric vehicles. Carl, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, I uh, had one right before the voting. Thank you again for making it available to me. That was helpful on my voting. And I think you did that for a lot of jurors. And I think it worked. Uh, a lot of people voted with confidence on, on that car and it won. I really love the uh, phone as a key technology. Uh, I love the convenience. I want to get to a place. I want all of us to get to a place someday where all we really need is our phone, whether we're you know driving a car and it helps us start the car or whether we're, you know, pulled over and we have to show a driver's license and all, it'd be great if we, if we didn't have to carry around so much stuff. So having that phone as a key was really great technology and it was pretty easy to make it work on my phone. I already had a Ford Pass app, so I just had to add another vehicle to it. Uh, and it was pretty seamless. You guys were able to get it to work for both Android and Apple, but a lot of companies out there are still struggling with one or the other. I'm just curious, you know, how hard of, was the push to get it to work on both the Apple phones as well as Android phones? And what, if any additional kind of hurdles did you have to clear to make that happen? Well, it's, I mean, it's important, as Ford in particular, it's important that we make a vehicle for everybody. And we always want to be inclusive. So it was um, always clear for us it had to be both. Um, and these are difficult systems to tune. They use Bluetooth low energy and they're sensitive to tuning. So a key part of it, we did launch a system similar on the Aviator. So we gained some experience there. Um, and there have been updates to that system since it launched. And now it's a next-gen system on this car. And we also got over-the-air update capability. As What happens sometimes is the manufacturer, the phone manufacturers update software, and you need to adjust again. And so it's absolutely critical. You've got that over-the-air capability, so you can stay in front of that. Um, to make sure the system's still operating um, robustly. But we also have a really nice system, which is the keypad, which many Ford owners are familiar with, the keypad on the B-pillar, so that you, you can lock your keys in the car and go running or so on. But now that becomes the backup. So if anything goes wrong, you break the phone or lose it or anything like that, you can still get access to the car via the keypad. In fact, you can still start, you can now start the car by entering a password in. So a really, a really nice feature. Um, and uh, again, yeah, I agree with you. This is going to become the norm. And I love that, by the way. I also love the idea that you guys have a provision for the lost, stolen, battery dead phone. Um, and that Ford, of course, already kind of had a longstanding uh, protocol to help uh, support that, which was those numbers on the, the keypad on the um B-pillar, which I remember my dad's Lincoln from the 80s having that. And the first time I realized what it was, I was like, this is brilliant. You know, I even as a kid, I I loved the idea that you didn't have to have your key with you just to open the car or lock the car. And uh, I think it's surprising nobody besides Ford is using that technology. I, I can't believe it. I, I think I told you this in person when I was talking to you at the uh, one of the Mach-E events, uh, Darren. But I really love that tech as a 30-plus-year-old tech. And now it's very helpful for uh, the modern world we live in now. 
Yeah, people really love that. Um, I understand they considered taking it away over time and uh, they got a really strong feedback from people. And I, when I was in Europe with Ford, I, I saw that system here and I was dying to have that available in Europe and we didn't have it there. So this is the first time it's being brought there as well. So I'm really excited to see what people think of it. It's really new to them. I have a couple of questions more uh, related to the consumers themselves. A lot of uh, car manufacturers are including three years of uh, free charging, uh, like partnerships with different uh, companies for the charging stations and all that kind of thing. So what's Ford doing with that to introduce this car to the public? And also, what are the, the different ways of getting that? Obviously, you can buy it, you can lease it. But I have heard there's some many different ways of doing it on the website from people who are reserving it. And so can you talk about those two things, please? Yeah, that's a really important question. So for one, you, the whole car is designed around what the way you want. The car and the infrastructure adjust to you, not the other way around. So if you want to buy this car online, with your mobile phone, you can do that. If you want to go into a dealer, you can do that. If you want to order it online and pick it up in the dealer, you can do that too. So it, your customer has it their way. Um, so that's an important part of it. And also the charging network. So there is, because some of the charging infrastructure was put in many years ago and is often low power, um, it, it's, it's a bit of a wild west out there. And so we curated the largest charging network in the US um, it was 13,500 at the end of last year, but it's even more now. Um, and the car, all of those are included in network. And importantly, really, when you're out and about, you, you're probably going to want the DC network. And this is the one that's often compared to, for example, Tesla supercharging. So we put together a network that has 1,295 uh, areas, and they're all included in a subscription, and you get... 250 kilowatts charging per month for free and also um, you can authorize those for, via the app or the car and the newest ones you just plug them in and they automatically authorize and charge so they're the ones we will recommend that people use and they should stay within the network unless they have very good reason they know there's a charger they can use but those we can verify the quality and in fact you can when you plan your journey on the car you'll be able to see the charger and you'll be able to see the rating uh, that people have given that charger so that you know if it's quality if it's working well or and, and also you can see on many of them is it is it uh, available so that really the car does all the work as long as you stay in the network the car does all the work and the charging is included with the subscription excellent well, uh, we're going to have a little break here because we're running out of time on this segment. But we're going to come back and please, Darren, don't go because we're going to talk about the F-150. But I think you are going to be involved in the next F-150 too. So don't go away, please. Welcome back to this special edition of the with the winners of the North American Car Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year with uh, Carl Brower and Lauren Fix, and we also have Darren Palmer and uh, Craig Smith from uh, Ford. So, Craig, uh, congratulations again on the F one fifty. And as I said in the first segment, this is the fifth time the F one fifty has won, won the award. So, I mean, basically every of the past five generations have won it. So, fantastic! By the way. When we have a hurricane here in Miami, can you send me the hybrid with the, with the generator back so I can survive here? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, talk about a great uh, disaster relief vehicle, right? It's uh, 
got its uh, generator on wheels and it's ready to go. It's got your own office uh, inside to, to stay away from the elements. And, and you know, instead of bringing a generator to a site, you can uh, just bring the vehicle. If it runs low on fuel, you drive it to a fuel station and bring it back. And so, yeah, there's just so many different uses with that, uh, the Power Boost Hybrid. But yeah, we're, you know, at Ford, we, we're really proud of uh, F-Series, and uh, we know our customers love that truck. And frankly, a lot of us that are on the team uh, drive the vehicle and uh, love Ford trucks as well, and the F-150 specifically. And so it's, it is it is a lot of pressure on the team to, uh, to make sure that we're delivering, uh, you know, continuing to innovate uh, to make sure that we're, uh, we're meeting the needs of our customers. Yeah, by the way, the voting was even more of a landslide. It got 340 votes out of 500 possible. The Ram uh, TRX got 130 and the Jeep Ladero Mojave only 30. So, Lauren? Well, I have to say I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the F-150, and I will say I will disclose that I've owned Ford trucks for years and years. But I was really impressed with the fact that you had such an array of choices. I mean, everyone's using their truck for something different between the different engine choices, which included diesel, which I thought was genius as a diesel fan. And I really loved, now he, Javier loved the generator in the back. But for me, I, I mean, I do these 15 hour drives back and forth to Florida. And I love the fact that there's never a place to eat. So I can now put the, press a button, have the handle go flat, un, open up the center console. I a genius idea. Um, and then, of course, the fold flat seats if you want to take a nap. So if you want to talk about some of those cool features, and of course, there's more, I'll let you uh, address all that. Yeah, I mean, we, we know from uh, observing customers, talking to customers and being customers ourselves that uh, people spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day in our vehicles. Uh, they're working there. They're eating lunch there. They want to they want to rest in their vehicle. And so it's just a natural extension uh, that, that we provided more uh, feature functionality inside the vehicle with the interior work surface, which is is a great story because we knew they wanted a bigger, more usable center console uh, flat surface, but uh, they also love that uh, floor console shifter. And so we had to come up with a solution where the shifter was out of the way uh, when when the work surface was deployed, and and so we came up with a, a stowing shifter, and so best of both worlds for our customers. Yeah, and and the full flat, uh, the uh, 180 degree uh, seat. Uh, again, you know, we know customers uh, like to rest in their vehicles, and it's not very comfortable uh, in the front seats. Uh, and so we just designed a seat that, uh, you know, the seat cushion would rise up when the back goes flat and just makes it more comfortable to rest. So it's just, uh, you know, knowing our customers and, uh, and trying to deliver uh, some solutions to, to, to problems they didn't even know they had. Carl? Yeah, I think your description of, you know, <laughs> coming up with solutions that the customer may not even, you know, we, we know the, one of the famous quotes from, uh, the guy who started your company said that if I'd asked people what they wanted, they'd said they wanted a faster horse. So it's it's truly the visionary of being able to look beyond what people are expecting and start providing things they aren't expecting. I think that really separates the successful product in any industry from the kind of run of the mill product. Uh, and I also feel like in the last 10 years, you know, the competition in the full size truck category has only gotten uh, tighter and more demanding. And, um, 
you look at what's gone on with Ram and Silverado and how they've battled it out now. And, you know, Ram actually beat Silverado the previous year. Last year, Silverado beat Ram back again and was the second best selling truck. But I feel like the Ram specifically has become an extremely innovative vehicle over the last 10 years. And, and I think that's why it started to really cut into the Silverado's market share. It didn't have nearly an effect on the F-150's market share. F-150 is still clearly the, the above both of them. Um, but I also felt like, you know, Ram's really become kind of the truck for innovation in the last 10 years. And this redesign that we got with the F-150 was where I said, okay, clearly Ford wanted to put any put to bed any concerns about that because the level of innovations, you talked about some of them, but there's so many more out there on this new 2021 F-150. I feel like it kind of, the pendulum swung back in Ford's favor and and I feel sorry for Silverado because I feel like they're they're not particularly innovative. Uh, they don't have the level of innovation, I should say, that, that you see in the other two brands. And I think Ford's new F-150 really uh, makes that clear with the, of course, hybrid and the um, uh, mobile power plant being the clear uh, dif- differentiator now beyond all the other things. But I, I'm curious, there's a lot of um, mobile connectivity that even the F-150 offers. We know that there's great stuff the Mach-E can do. And you kind of expect that because it's this brand new kind of forward thinking electric vehicle. But maybe you could just briefly go through some of the coolest connected features. You've got those light controls, those zone controls for lights and stuff like that. What are some of the coolest connected features you feel like the new F-150's got that you can do with your phone? Yeah, so uh, a lot of the features that we have on the vehicle, we have an extension to Ford Pass, as you indicated. Uh, The zone lighting is a great one, right? Uh, uh, you're able to control the lights on the exterior lights on the vehicle from Ford Pass as well as from inside the vehicle. So let's say you're uh, driving up to a campsite and uh, you just want to turn on the lights on the right side of your vehicle. You can do that with your Ford Pass app. You can turn them off or you could uh, just let it time out. But, you know, just a great uh, additional uh, functionality to a, to a neat feature. We also have, uh, you know, pro power on board, right? Uh, two kilowatts on our gas engines, 2.4 and 7.2 kilowatts on the, the power boost. And you can uh, monitor your power usage uh, with your Ford Pass app to see how you're, uh, you know, uh, balancing between A zone and B zone. Uh, we also have a lot of trailer technologies and uh, trailer theft alarm is a great one. You know, customers, when they plug their trailer in uh, and connect it and, uh, you know, park it, they want to make sure that not just their vehicle is secure, but also their trailer. Uh, so if somebody tampers with the trailer by disconnecting the, uh, the harness, uh, the alarm goes off and it pushes it to your, uh, to your Ford Pass, to your phone, just like uh, if your vehicle alarm goes off. we got trailer light check as well and a whole bunch of other features that we're working uh, on in the future to, to take advantage of Ford Pass. So, uh, Darren, uh, thank you for listening and waiting for us. But uh, I, from what I understand, Ford already has announced uh, an electrification plan for all the vehicles, including the F-150. So I guess it, you and Craig are going to be working together, or maybe already are, I'm sure you are, already working together in the next project, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and in the way that we developed the Mustang Mackey. We put the electrification team, Team Edison, together with the Mustang team. So many of the key members of that team, you know many of them. Dave Perizak was a, a character that you know. We all worked very closely together so that we bring the best of both groups. So now on the F-150 Bev, we bring Edison together with the very accomplished truck team. 
and we make the product proposition that we're putting together is a result of that. And so we we ended up we pushed each other to do more and more um, to to have a very compelling product proposition in the end. Yeah, well, uh, congratulations again, and thank you very much for spending time uh, with us. And uh, as we all been saying for almost a year now, we hope it was in person, but we know the circumstances, and hopefully that will happen soon. So thank you very much. You want to say something uh, in closing, Lauren? Well, I just want to say congratulations to Ford. I mean, I know it's, they've they've had their issues in the past, but boy, they they really come on strong, especially with the truck. And forty four years, pretty darn good. Everyone's still chasing you, but they can't catch you. So keep on uh, innovating, and we're excited to see what you have next, Carl. Yeah, Lauren said it pretty well. Uh, you guys uh, are really strong at this point, and um, I think the leadership recognizes kind of where it wants to go next, what it wants to do. It's reflected in the product. And um, that's really all you can hope for from any any global company is clear leadership and um, clear direction on where you're going. And you see a lot of automakers struggle with that. It doesn't seem like Ford's got that issue at all. It seems like you guys have a very clear path forward. And uh, Craig, I'm going to take back my request for the hurricane, I'm, I, but I take it to go camping. So <laughs> I don't want a hurricane in 2021. So <laughs> let's let's do that better. You bet. You bet. Thanks very much. I really appreciate uh, you spending the time with us today. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back with the other winner of uh, in the car category of uh, North American Car, Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year. Well, welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast. And we have the other winner of the 2021 car truck and utility vehicle of the year. In this case, is uh, Hyundai. So we have uh, Michael Evanoff from Hyundai talking to us. Uh, so congratulations, Michael, uh, on the award. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and thank you to all the, the jurors for, you know, um, awarding this to the 2021 um, Elantra. Very proud, you know, that, you know, all the accomplishments and, and all the hard work. And it's it's all about the team. The team really came together under these challenging situation and uh, very proud to, to take this take home this honor. So second time yeah, you've won with this car, 2012 was the first one. Were you involved with that one too? Yeah, you know what? I, I joined Hyundai just after that, not too long after. Um, but I did work on the the next generation Elantra from concept to launch, uh, and then same with this Elantra. So Elantra for me is is um, a very passionate program among all my other programs. Um, but uh, yeah, very proud that uh, you know it's only two other cars have ever won it twice. So very proud that Elantra is um, with those. And now you're working on the next one, I guess, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it never stops. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just quickly before I go with Lauren and, and Carl, the count was very close. The Elantra got 176 votes. The Genesis G80, part of the Hyundai Group 2, 173, and the Nissan Sentra 151. So, Lauren, do you want to go? What do you want to ask? No, sure. Okay. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. The Hyundai Elantra is great. And of course, the Sonata was last year's finalist as well. Uh, I think one of the big things is, is they now look like they're a part of a family. So can you tell us about the plant in the U.S. and the new design that you're planning? And are, are all the vehicles going to start having this same look? 
Sure. I think, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities between the two, but we try and make them, you know, they're each individual models. We understand the importance, you know, everybody's migrating to SUVs, but, you know, we still are, are very much invested uh, in the sedan markets, um, you know, with Sonata, with Elantra. And so there is some commonality, but we definitely try and make them their own unique vehicles, um, whether it be both have been, you know, longer, lower and wider. Um, and we do that for proportioning, um, you know, it always helps with the, uh, with the styling and the look to, to the shoppers. But, you know, definitely it's it's supplied from both our plant in Montgomery, Alabama, and then also from our plant or one of our plants in, in South Korea. So dual sourced and, you know, on sale now and very much looking forward to uh, seeing, seeing where this goes. Carl? Well, you mentioned already that you've got a real commitment to um, the car category, and that's pretty obvious when you consider how thorough and uh, expansive the Elantra redesign was and how many are offered. Um, I think it's great that you've got the hybrid as well as two, not one, but two different levels of performance. Uh, what was the, you know, thinking within Hyundai where, when you were redesigning this vehicle and coming up with so many different variants, was it just that you felt like the market's ready for that many? Did you feel like that you had the engineering to pull off that wide of variety and spectrum within one model line? I'm just kind of curious what were some of the key points that led to so many different variations of one vehicle? Yeah, well, I mean, the electrification is is coming. It's already here um, and it's the future. And, you know, we're pushing that even further in, in, in additional future models. Um, but we wanted to give the, the, the shopper choices. So, yes, we've got the, you know, the, the, the base two liter, the hybrid that you mentioned that gets up to 54 miles per gallon, um, which I think is remarkable and best in class for, for a sedan. Um, the end line with the 1.6 turbo. And then the one I'm really excited about is the, uh, the, Elantra N with the two liter turbo coming next year. So working diligently on that as everybody is uh, and looking forward to have a whole Elantra family. So just, we went, we just wanted to give, you know, shoppers, you know, all the options available and the flexibility for what the, what fits their needs. Michael, were there any big challenges, especially during these uh, difficult times, uh, uh, launching like basically, what is it, four different cars at the same time? Yeah, I mean, obviously, most of us are working from home still, and we and we will be for a while. Um, you know, I, I I miss being in the office. I, I always talk about the sneaker network. I like to get up and you know go actually talk to somebody. Um, so via phone, chat, email, you know, that's that's how we're doing it. Um, so all the groups really worked together in unison uh, to launch this car, and it's it's unprecedented to to launch a car under these conditions. Um, you know, we launched Sonata. Uh, end of last year, and then everything got shut down shortly. Um, so that was unfortunate. But you know, this one was was hatched um, basically during these you know the, during this pandemic. Um, but you know, everybody worked together, communicated, and, and like I said, there's a lot of teamwork. Uh, that goes into it. But yeah, I mean, definitely some challenges, you know, we had a, a ride and drive evaluations and we had to cut the, you know, the amount of people that were involved. Um, we would sanitize the cars after each driver got out and, and hand it over to the next person. So all the precautions were taken, but I think, you know, it was pretty seamless uh, overall to, to get the Elantra launched. Lauren? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the different propulsions. I know that you, you've talking about plug-in coming in the future and hydrogen. Can you give us some insight on what Hyundai's doing with hydrogen? I'm very excited about fuel cell technology. Yeah, so, I mean, we have the Nexo currently, which is the second generation. The first one was the Tucson fuel cell, now the Nexo, um, you know, which is, you know, great styling, great performance, great range. Um, I think Hyundai's, you know, always keeping 
all the alternative uh, propulsion options in play, um, whether it be hybrid, plug-in hybrid, full EV. You know, we've got, we've got the Ionic uh, brand coming shortly uh, with the Ionic 5. Um, so we're definitely, you know, invested in electrification for the future. Carl? Well, you may not be able to speak too directly to this uh, to this item that I'm going to say, but just maybe general, you know, the rumblings about uh, an Apple car and maybe uh, some help from uh, a manufacturer out there uh, called Hyundai. Uh, I know that's been you know rumbling around now the last couple of days, but like you said, I think Hyundai is obviously committed to future drivetrain technology, um, no matter who they might work with in the future, but. But what you know, what's your what's your opinion and your thoughts on the idea of tech companies and car companies kind of collaborating? Yeah, I mean, I've read all the same reports you have probably, and and, and unfortunately, I, I I cannot comment on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we've had a situation, you know, by t- uh, a little while ago, we you know we have 13 new uh, electrified vehicles by 2022, which is actually coming up really quick. Um, so we keep pushing that uh, technology forward, and it's it's really interesting to see, you know, when the EVs first launched, it was a little bit of a challenge, but it seems like to be uh, growing momentum as the range, you know, like Kona EV range and, and, and uh, the hybrid or the uh, Ionic 5, it's becoming more viable and, and a, a more um, suitable solution or, or execution for consumers. So I think definitely moving forward, um, we're fully committed to, to the electrification strategy. Uh, Michael, I'm going to come back to like the present cars and uh, because it's pretty amazing how Hyundai and, and other manufacturers, to be honest with you, including Nissan with the Sentra, how are they being able to package so much uh, style, technology, power trains and all that in cars that are really affordable? I mean, like, uh, how, how does that work? I mean, like on top of that 10 year guarantee and all that. So. Yeah. Can you explain how Hyundai is able to do all that? Yeah, I mean, of course, we've got America's best warranty um, with the 10100 powertrain and the 560 um, basic warranty. You know, I, I always like to refer to it as like the democratization of technology. Uh, maybe something will launch on a on a, a higher spec vehicle, but then the next time um, a lower a lower segment vehicle comes out, it adopts that technology. Um, like Hyundai Digital Key launched on Sonata, and, and now is on Elantra as well. It, it, also the new Santa Fe. Um, so you know we share the, a lot of technology across the platforms, um, but definitely committed because we know understand that you know that that's what the consumer wants these days, especially the younger buyer. Um, you know wants all. That technology, so we try and uh, apply it throughout the um, throughout the lineup. Well, uh, congratulations again on the win, and uh, I guess you're gonna have to go back to work on that. On the, what is <laughs> how would that be? Like 2026, seven around there. Yeah, always, always got stuff going. That's that's what's amazing about Hyundai is you know all the launches we've had. I've worked on a lot of launches in the last couple of years. Um, it just seems like you know it never ends, and we just want to keep keep the product fresh and and keep uh, addressing the the consumer and the segments with the uh, with the right product. Okay, Lauren, you want any final thoughts? Well, no, I'm just really excited that uh, we're we're seeing some really great product. And and I was just want to say I was a huge fan of the Genesis G80 and the GV80, which are still your your luxury line. And you should be very proud of that. And I know you're going to have amazing results. Yep. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And Carl, uh, I'm going to let you uh, close the segment because uh, aside from your thoughts on uh, the Hyundai, uh, you have some news for us for the next segment, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, first, you know, I'll just echo what everyone's been saying, which is that there's been, you know, a lot of movement for this brand over the last, really over the last 20 years, but even over the last 
you know, three to five years um, with the luxury division coming out and then the success of uh, a lot of the mainstream cars too. Um, so uh, I, like you noted, um, Michael, it's the second time for this particular model. That doesn't happen that often in uh, North American uh, Car of the Year awards. So congratulations on not just this car, but the general momentum that we're seeing behind uh, your, your company and all the brands that you're producing. Yeah, thank you. Huge honor. And I just want to recognize it's, it was a total team effort and, and everybody deserves uh, congratulations. Okay. And then Carl will tell, tell us about your uh, next project in the next segment. So we'll be back Absolutely. with that. Yes, we'll do that. Welcome back to uh, another segment in this special edition for the NACTO winners. And uh, Carl, you've been really busy this uh, start of the year, not only with your uh, your role in NACTOI, because you're part of the board, but also you had a, a couple of little other projects, right, going on? <laughs> yeah, uh, big projects for me. Hopefully, uh, yeah, little projects was what it looked like to everyone else, but uh, lots of work. Uh, holidays weren't really a break, quote unquote, for me. But the result is is worth it. We've got the new website launched that I am um, executive vice president of and uh, executive publisher, which is carexpert.com. And uh, just went live officially about a little over a week ago, but we, we made sure everyone knew it was live and did the official launch uh, same morning as NACDOI, January 11th. And this is an all new, completely 100% ad-free automotive website. So when you go to this website, you will not see any banner ads or pop-up ads or takeover ads or any other kind of ads. If it has the word ad associated with it, you won't see it there. And uh, we're really thrilled with that. Uh, we think the user experience is basically unprecedented in the automotive space right now. Uh, and I think there's a level of trust that you have when you don't see ads all over the place. Uh, I think there's a level of purity, a uh, level of focus and versus distraction. And... Um, uh, I also feel like the page load speed, you know, I mean, when ads are on pages, they are tagged and they've got pixels and they've got to track every time it loads so that the right person can get paid. You know, they're two cents for every a thousand loads of the ad or whatever the terrible rate that ads are at this point. Um, but none of that's going on. So when you hit a link, the page loads. It's funny. I, I posted a Forbes story about the Nactoy finalists, and I put embedded links for each year make model of the finalists back to Car Expert. And if you go from the Forbes site to the Car Expert site, and you click when you click on the link in the Forbes site, the the speed at which the page loads is very telling especially if you've just come off Forbes site. Not, not that I want to say Forbes user experience is at all compromised because of course it does not at all. It's, it's fabulous. There's not takeover ads slowing things down and mucking up the thing. Not at all. But just if you are on Forbes and you go from Forbes to car, you might notice a slight shift in, uh, in the user experience. And then of course, the final thing is mobile. Um, in my opinion, the ad model, the traditional banner ad model has been increasingly broken for the last 20 years, but it has really proven a problem on mobile devices when you're trying to stick tiny ads on a tiny screen and you're taking away real estate where you're already trying to fight to see what you want to see and that's being blocked by ads on a little screen but again doesn't happen on carexpert.com so i'm probably slightly biased but uh, i am a big fan of the uh, design and the experience that you get when you go to car expert yeah congratulations it looks really really great and uh, we're going to put links and recommend it to all our audience so 
Lauren, I guess you've seen it too, right? What do you think? Oh, I yeah. like I like I, I like the idea a lot. I do too. I think it's nice you've got a good group of people, and I think that's also important. Uh, and of course, you know, you've got one of our friends on there, Mike Harley, who's very talented, and Jason Fogelson. So you've got some really great talent there. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we were able to to round round up a good group of folks. Uh, we've got some good con contributors too. You know, we got Nicole Wakelin and uh, some of the other Nactoy uh, writers there. Ron Sessions is on there, and uh, yeah, the, it's we've got the, the the big thing is I was telling Mike this the other day. I said, look, all the things that we normally can't control about a site like advertising and page load speed and all the stuff that I hated at some of the other spaces I've I've worked. Um, that's fixed on this site. It's not a problem. The things we can control, the editorial content, it's basically it's on us. If all the stuff that normally we couldn't control is finally perfect on this site, then it's on, it puts the pressure on us. We better have the best editorial content on this site to go along with what I consider otherwise the best automotive experience. And uh, that's where we've been putting the pressure on us for the last several weeks and will continue to put on us going forward. Um, but I do feel like we've got a great crew there, uh, Lauren, like you say, to help us achieve that. So, Carl, this is a business model that has already been in, in place, I believe, in Australia, right? Like, so how does the consumers, I mean, you already explained a lot of it, but how do the consumers uh, benefit from it? So, obviously, you have great presentation of the information and you have unbiased, straightforward expertise, advice, uh, well-written and, and, and very clear. And it's consumer-oriented, by the way. We have a great uh, CEO who says, uh, by the way, the focus on this uh, editorial content is um, the consumer. And he had a great quote. He said, I see, a fair, I see far too much writing in the automotive journalism community in an obvious attempt to impress other members of the automotive journalism community. And I was like, boy, did you nail it? You are exactly right. And I've seen that for years and I've hated it for years. And to actually have the CEO tell me, don't do that. Not that he really had to. It was like, thank you. So this is consumer oriented information. It's not uh, car geek wonky. I'm going to come up with the most creative way to make, to describe this car. So all my friends who read my story feel like, you know, can be impressed by my writing. Um, so that's all really good. And then of course, we just offer uh, direct access back to the manufacturer sites for the information that would take that they would want next. Configure the car, buy the car, put a you know submit a dealer lead. They can go right back to the dealer web uh, to either a dealer website or a manufacturer website to start doing what they want to do next. And yeah, uh, so it's a more a more direct experience. And since we have been talking about the, the how things are changing in the way people buy their cars or, or like at least do part of the process, right, Lauren, like going, going online. Right. Third-party reviews are about 70% of the decisions. So people tend to do their research online because you can't go to car shows anymore as we learned the Detroit Auto Show was canceled. So, uh, you know, what other shows might or might not be canceled? And maybe you just don't want to go to the shows because everyone's a little concerned. This allows you to um, do your research listen to what people have to say, and then help to make a decision. And, and if you can do it all in one place, it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way we think about it is, you know, people are like, so you hate ads. You think ads are terrible. No, I don't think ads are terrible. I think ads sitting next to editorial is terrible. Um, and, and it's funny because, you you know, we've totally gotten past that. You guys all know that now. You go on like a typical automotive site and you're on the Honda page or a Honda Accord page and there's Honda ads all over the page. And it used to be once upon a time when you were in reading an automotive book, like an old print publication, the idea that you would have the same ad from the same company uh -huh. 
as the story you were reading was completely considered terrible. It's like, you can't have a Cadillac ad right next to the Cadillac story. That looks terrible. Well, I think ads in general look terrible next to content because you immediately as a consumer start going, okay, how much of this content is being written by unbiased journalists and how much is being written because there's an ad for the same brand or, you know, right on that page, or even if it's not on the same page, it's somewhere on the site. So that's, that's the real, that's, that's the reason I don't like ads next to content, but I like ads because they generate interest and passion. Okay. Ads are a way to make people interested in car XYZ when they've never heard of it before. And so you got to get them aware and hopefully passionate. But once, like Lauren said, once you're passionate or aware and interested in a car, you need something else. You need third party validation. You need wisdom and confidence. And that's what makes you buy a car. It's, it's passion and interest combined with confidence that the car is actually a good car. And you're not going to get confidence from an ad. Guess what? The manufacturer, he says his car is awesome. Well, yeah. great. That doesn't really help me much. How about someone who's not the manufacturer that I trust? What do they think of the car? That's what Car Expert does. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, speaking about the experience, especially online and uh, on the telephone, like people are experiencing in the social media platforms where you basically almost think about a product and the next thing you you see is like ads for that product on your feed or your wall or whatever. So yeah. that's like really kind of creepy, scary, scary, scary <laughs> experience. So this way in this website, people will just go there. They Obviously, they know which car they're looking for. They find it and they just learn about it in a more um, calm uh, atmosphere almost, right? Yeah, there's not all these distractions. There's enough stuff not flying around. Right. Excellent. So, well, congratulations on that. And uh, uh, we're going to keep checking it. And uh, I guess we're going to start working on 2022 NACTO Awards, right? (laughs) It never ends. Yeah, they will. Let's see if they have some press events that we can go to in person and see all three of us in the same place at the same time. That'd be nice, right, guys? Yeah, it doesn't look like it. CES, uh, where we would have been this week, it's going on digitally. Actually, interesting news there from uh from gm right like uh the the old ev fleet that they're gonna develop with fedex like a flying cadillac and all those things but i don't know like for me i mean it looks cool but if i'm not seeing it in person i don't know what do you think Lauren? well you know i think it's difficult i I've, I've been watching a lot of these videos online why or live feeds while we're working you know you're taking notes as fast as you can just like you are when you're there except i don't get to communicate with someone face to face not just you guys and people that we know in the industry, but also the executives and get some inside information and maybe questions on things that are important to us. But also, like anything, you can look at anything you want online, but when you see it in person, it gives you a different feeling, a different uh, opinion, and you don't want to lose that. And I think that's what's happening is you're losing that connection. Just like with these masks, you don't see people smiling, and I think you're sort of missing that human reaction. And I think this is a big part of things that will either change or they won't. Of course, there's going to be a lot of things like, for example, we just learned that Amelia Island moved from March to May. So there's it's all because we want people to be able to see people and not be wearing masks. Yeah. I mean, so it doesn't look that promising for live events. Uh, so for now, keep listening to the podcast. Go to carexperts.com and uh, at least we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.